The military-industrial complex, from Eisenhower's farewell address to the Biden inauguration. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show, released on January 26th, 2021. Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Fisk, fulfill a promise we made to you, our listeners, years ago to do an episode about President Dwight D. Eisenhower's farewell address on the 60th anniversary of that occasion. The conversation about President Eisenhower's final speech from the White House is in context with President Kennedy's inauguration days afterwards and the meaning of the phrase deep state and how it has evolved in the past five and a half decades. We also talk about how the shadow of the deep state looms over everything in the realm of divisive politics. Jay and I also talk about putting aside divisive partisan politics during President Biden's first 100 days in office. Jay and I also debate on whether or not the President of the United States is actually your president or my president and the dangers of deifying candidates and elected officials. The Federal Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our patrons. Patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the show, show notes, behind-the-scenes action, and more. Coming soon, patrons will also be eligible for exclusive products and promotional materials. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and show off your amazing taste and style with new products from Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Chronicles. 12.5% of each purchase goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. The Fedora Chronicles radio show can be heard on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, Castro, and Breaker. If our podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know right away and we'll pass along a special gift to you as a thank you. Our email address is fedorachronicle at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter at Fedora Chronicle. Once again, here's Jason Cousineau and me, Eric Fisk from the Fedora Chronicle. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I was there for just a second. Am I, st- am I still here? You are still here. I am? You are. Okay, let, me check, let me check and verify make sure I'm, I am still here. Yes, I am. Yes. Feel yourself to make sure that you're still here. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's the real reason why people tune in to the Fedora Chronicles radio show's News of the Week with Jason Cousineau. So they can hear me fill myself up? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so what, you know what the, the, the crazy thing is, is... Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol looks forward to us doing this and then listening to me edit the show while she's working in the kitchen or doing whatever it is she's, she's doing around the house. And I think, I think this is her favorite part. (laughs) Oh, Carol's so sweet. I know Carol's awesome. She's better than I deserve. And speaking about being better than I deserve yesterday, we celebrated the 20th anniversary of our moving into this house. What do you call it? A 20th 
house yeah, anniversary. Think, yeah, twentieth housewarming. Whatever. Something like that. Because we we, we could also call it an excuse to get drunk off our asses. I mean, whatever you know floats your boat. Exactly. Well, yeah, and it's like um, we just bought a small bottle of prosecco, mm-hmm. and we were just reminiscing for a couple of minutes. Um, about what it's like to 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 have lived in this house in this neighborhood for twenty years. I have never lived in the same place for this length of time. You know what? Neither have I. Huh? This is the longest I've ever lived in one place. I've never lived. I mean, hell, I was, I was no, I was twenty when I joined the Coast Guard. So yeah, even as a child growing up. But even then, we didn't live in the same place those entire that yeah. entire time. We moved yeah. into that house when I was turning seven. So, yeah, I have never lived in the same place for twenty years. Yeah. So and so and the, also, this is like the Fedora Chronicles headquarters. Oh yeah. This this is like this is where I can actually tell you exactly where I was when I came up with the idea for the website, which became the podcast. Uh, I can tell you exactly where I was when I came up with the idea of doing this mm-hmm. uh, um, and it's it's just amazing how life-changing the Fedora Chronicles has been for me and a couple of other people um, but it's 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 just been really an excuse to stay in touch with a lot of my friends and give them a platform to post whatever it is that they want to say within reason obviously mm-hmm. um, and it was it's a uh, and I owe yeah, yeah. just that that one statement within reason, right? Why why do we have to latch that on now when we say that? You can say whatever you want within reason. Well, it's remember, yeah, fifteen years ago it used to be like say whatever you want. You didn't have to say within reason because it goes without saying. Right, that there are certain things you should not do. Right, and it there was are... called common sense. Oh, absolutely. And it's but it, it's funny how. There are people who have pushed the boundaries of like within reason. I, yeah. I think that that's very telling. Everything you need to know about people, they tell you by how they, they push the boundaries and in which direction. Um, yeah, well, I don't know if it's everything you need to know, but it certainly does tell you a lot. Yeah. And living in this house, being married to my wife, and doing this po- uh, podcast and the website... And everything associated with the website has made me a better person. Yeah. So, and me there's, too. and and, and I, there doesn't seem to be any argument there. So, let's let's switch gears for a second here, or for the rest of the podcast. Um, is there anything interesting happening in the news, Jay? In in the realm of politics, did anything interesting happen yesterday on the twentieth? Yeah, I seem to recall seeing or hearing someone talking about seeing. Um, Something happened in Washington, D.C. There was a little speech or something. Uh, honestly, I did not look into the inauguration at all. Yesterday was a very busy day for me at work. And by the time it got done, I just wanted Kraken and Dr. Pepper. So, a Dr. Kraken. <laughs> so, I didn't really look into um, any of that at all. Yeah. Uh, what did, did you watch that? Because at one point you texted me, you're like, dude, are you listening to this right now? Now, like five things going on. I'm like, no, in fact, I'm not. This happens every four years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and for some reason, one way or another, for some reason, I always seem to have the day off for inauguration day. 
or if I'm doing something for the Fedora Chronicles and I have the day off, it always seems to land on this day. So I always seem to find a way to watch it. I'm trying to remember when was the last time I was actually working an inauguration day and somebody was playing it over the radio or the internet and I was at work, but I still, I, I've never missed an inauguration day in recent memory going back at right. least literally 20 years. And yep. every time there is a new president who's sworn into office, we get this um, enthusiasm. Like this guy will be different. It's, it's going to be different this time. This, and we put all of our hopes and dreams and, and fears and apparitions or aspirations Mm-hmm. into this one guy. And we either think this guy is going to be the worst thing if he plays for the other team. He's going to be a ruthless dictator. He's going to be a fascist. This is the end of America as we know it. But if he's your guy and he's on your team and you voted for him, it, it, you get all weepy and you get all, um, you get all the feels. Yep. And, Oh my God, I can't believe he's elected. This is the greatest day of my life. It's not. It's not the greatest day of your life. It's a good day, but no, seriously, this is the best day of your life. This is a bigger day for you than the day that you got married or the night you got engaged. Right. Or the uh, the birth of your children. There were a few people who had said that this is the best day of your life. And I'm kind of like, are you really seriously? <laughs> yeah. And I don't, and, and, and people had said this four years ago when the other guy was sworn into office. Yeah. And it was just like, I, I get caught up in the exuberance, as it were. And I, despite everything that we have said about Joe Biden in the past four years, the past four years, everything that we've said about Joe Biden for the past year, since he announced his candidacy, I hope we're wrong. I hope yeah. we're wrong about this guy. I hope he does a great job because that means that America is going to do well. I don't want Joe Biden to fail because if Joe Biden fails, the country is hurt by it. I don't wish any ill will for Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is now a role model for women and girls everywhere, not just the United States, but the rest of the world. There are things about her career that give me cause for concern. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to hold my criticism until they do something that's worth criticizing. And to be fair, we did the same thing when uh, Barack Obama was was inaugurated and we did the same thing when donald trump was sworn into office we did the same thing when george bush was sworn into office i sincerely wish team obama or team biden all the best but i have a problem with some of the verbiage that's being used and you and i had talked about this yeah in the past and 
I'm going, I want to see if I can, I, I'm going to actually shout out to our, um, I hope he's a listener of ours, Howard Weinstein. And I'm actually scanning for this document that I have. I have it opened up and it's an editorial about how um, Biden is my president now. That's the name of the title. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking it up right now. Opinion. Joe Biden is my president by Mark A. Thiessen. And he goes on to talk about how even though he didn't vote for Joe Biden, Joe Biden is now his president. I have a problem with this. Hello? I don't know why. I Maybe the NSA is is uh, trying to prevent us <laughs> Can you still hear hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. What was that? We that had was a, weird. We had a, it's like somebody is trying to call in. <laughs> somebody is trying to reach us. <laughs> the, Through Skype. The NSA is trying to prevent us from having this podcast and talk about how Biden is not my president. I have a Jeez. real problem with the deification of political candidates and, and elected officials and appointed officials. I have a real problem with that. I have a problem with people fawning all over public servants, no matter who they are. And in fact, that's something that you and I discussed when we first were getting to know each other during the Clinton, Clinton era administration. Exactly. Yes. Which is, we which, both have problems with it. I have a problem with somebody looking at an elected official and say, that's my president. And then your president starts doing nefarious things. And you took ownership of that president. Let's, let, let's just take, let's chase, let's take Richard Nixon as a perfect example. And you have, People who were fawning all over what a great guy Richard Nixon was. And then the newspapers started to report stories about horrible things that Richard Nixon was doing, especially to the press and banning, I think it was the Washington Post, from the White House because of their coverage of Richard Nixon's behavior. And that even predated Watergate. Bernstein and um, Woodward. Woodward and Bernstein's coverage of Watergate. Like they were already in hot water before right. um, before Watergate. People were making excuses for Nixon because Nixon was their president. Nixon is my president. And now I have to make excuses for him. Kind of like, well, everybody does it. He just got caught. Everybody, everybody plays these political games. Richard Nixon is just being persecuted because he's unpopular. Right. And to a very large extent people gave the same benefit of the doubt for Jack Kennedy because Jack Kennedy was, well, he was Jack Kennedy. And, right. um, and I actually posted an interview on new year's day, a quote from Frank Herbert, 
who said, and he's the guy, I think that he's the guy who put the seed inside my head. When you deify a president, name any president, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush one, Clinton, Bush two, Obama, Trump, Biden. Whenever you deify these people and they start doing wrong, you make excuses for them and you give them a pass. That's that's what happens when you have a charismatic leader and you make excuses for these people. They get away with more and more bad, horrible things. Right. And they feel like they can. Yeah. Because I have a legion of people who are going to make excuses for me because they're such big, huge fans of mine. That's horrible. That's that is a path towards destruction. That's actually and it's almost a path towards fascism. Because it definitely could be. It could be. And a lot of people point to say Mussolini or Hitler and say that the reason why they were able to get away with so much shit is because they were turned into political icons, pop culture icons, as it were. It's sort of like, you know, that guy from high school who was a big, huge fan of that big, huge band that everybody's heard of, but he's a really big, huge fan. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to use Van Halen as an example, but I can't think of a bad Van Halen album. Yeah. Um, let's let's just say you're a big, huge fan of Detroit Pudwhackers. Right. And the and it's the biggest, biggest badass band ever. And then they release a horrible album. Now, the biggest fan of the Detroit Pudwhackers is trying to explain to you why it's really not a bad album. It's actually a really great album. They just ex- experimented and tried to do something different that's not everybody's cup of tea. But they need to give it a chance. They need to just listen to it and give it a chance. Right. You smoke a bowl, light up a joint, and really <laughs> listen to it. Um, I want to use the Grateful Dead as, as an example, but I can't knit, rattle off any grateful dead albums but i'm sure that there are some that just weren't as good as is the moody blues is another fine example whereas the moody blues had a couple of really bad albums but there was like one or two songs that were really okay yeah as a fan of the moody blues i have to defend this horrible album but in the case of a president when you're making an excuse for something horrible the president did, like bombing a village filled with brown people who were harboring one terrorist and hundreds of innocent people are killed. Now you have to make excuses for your president. One of the questions that we need to ask is at what point does he stop being your president? Well, all right, I, I'm going to, maybe go a different direction what you think he still is my president i didn't vote for joe biden i didn't vote for donald trump but there was they were both of them were my president so was obama so was uh, bush before him so was clinton bush before him reagan going on right i don't get to denounce my the who's president of the country 
because they're doing something I don't like. They're still my president because they are in that office, duly elected in that office, right? I do, however, get to criticize the living fuck out of them because my president fucked up. It was like that day when they stormed the, the Capitol building. Those are supposed to be our people. And we were very adamant, you and I, on how this is not the way to do it, how this is very wrong. And these people should be prosecuted. And they are getting prosecuted, you know, because they were dumb enough to take selfies while they were doing it. Yeah. You know, but hey, if you're dumb enough to storm the Capitol, you're probably dumb enough to take a selfie of yourself while you're storming the Capitol and you get what you deserve. Right. We have to acknowledge the bad actions of the individuals and we have to acknowledge the bad actions of our president and our officials. And we have to call them out as being bad actions. Just because you voted for them does not mean they are not capable of bad actions. And just because you didn't vote for them doesn't mean they are not capable of good actions. And that is one thing that over the last four years I have been very, very disappointed in our media about is they have never, ever printed a single article praising Trump. Trump had four countries in the Middle East. He got them to sign peace treaties with Israel. All of the coverage I read in CNN and MSNBC in particular, because those are two of the ones that I read, they did everything they could to avoid giving credit to Trump. They're like, we've seen yeah. something like this before. It really doesn't mean anything. These are not the most vocal opponents, blah, blah, blah. They said all of this crap about how, uh, move along, nothing really to see here. That's how they treated the president, you know? Yes. And that is what sets the tone for the rest of us. Unfortunately, good, bad, or indifferent. Mob rule, mob mentality, all of that shit, right? If our media is refusing to say anything good about someone with whom they disagree, that right there is proof of bias, plain and simple. And you still have people out there who say that the media isn't biased. It's bullshit. Well, they're not allowed to be biased. So you're not allowed to go over the speed limit. How's that work out? Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I, I, get, I get so infuriated with it. Joe Biden is my president. I did not vote for him. I'm going to try and give him the benefit of doubt in everything he does, and I hope he does well. My hopes are not high, but I want to let him prove he's bad before I actually criticize everything he does. And I hope to not criticize everything he does. Chances are he's going to do some good things. Yeah. You know, he may not do things that I agree with, but like... On Facebook, a few of my friends are posting, okay, here's what the price of gas is, here's what yeah. you know, our GDP is, and unemployment, blah, 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 all this other kind of stuff. Let's see where we are in four years, you know? And let's be honest, during Trump's presidency, things went rather well for us economically up until COVID. They did. Our economy was doing well. Your 401k grew if you had one. Your investments grew while he was president. Unemployment went down to manageable levels, which is the three to five percent range is what we want. So that way their new technologies can come about and all of that kind of happy shit. Right. And new businesses have startup and they have a pool of people they can draw from to fill their ranks. OK, 
a lot of good things happened while Trump was president. You can argue about how much was intentional on his part and how much happened just because he had the right parenthetical letter after his name. You can argue about that all you want. I personally don't see the point. Good things happened while he was president. Good things happened while Obama was president. In my opinion, not as many as what happened when Trump was president. Yes. But by objective standards, Trump had great successes in foreign policy. He had great successes on domestic economic policy by objective, non-biased methods. You have to admit that if you're being honest. And if you're incapable of being honest about that, then in reality, doesn't matter what Joe Biden does because he's the greatest guy ever to you. So you're biased on that. Right. And we need to acknowledge that in ourselves. You know, I lean to the right. I disagree. I'm not a Republican, but I am a small government conservative. I believe our government should be small, powerful and effective. Right. Regulations should be minimal and rigorously enforced. There should not be any exceptions. Right. That's just how I think. Right. So and I completely, absolutely, totally agree with you. On principle. Right. Um, (laughs) I have a hard time calling Gene Shaheen or Maggie Hassan my senators. I have. Yeah. Go ahead. There's personal things there, though. They have they have gone after you personally. Just because you didn't vote for them doesn't mean you don't wish they do well. These, those two in particular, you and I have had numerous discussions, especially yes. about Gene Sheen, yeah. have gone after you personally. She's part of the reason why you and I both are on watch lists. And this is some scary shit. Right. This... And it's because she personally doesn't like you personally. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, it was because <laughs> <laughs> you actually, at a town hall meeting, asked a question that was not on the script for her. And she got pissed off at you about that. How would you feel about impeachment if Bill Clinton was a Republican and behaved in the scandalous matter? I'm pretty pretty sure you would vote to impeach. I'm pretty sure, Gene Shaheen, when the time came, you would have been tripping all over yourself and others to be the first to vote for impeachment for impropriety in the oval office with with an under with not an underage intern but with an intern uh, just a, a a few mere years older than your own daughter right it's it, it, it's that <laughs> that got me into trouble out of all the <laughs> yep. things out of all the things for me to get into trouble with and also um you know posting online some criticisms of some of her husband's business dealings while she was governor of the state of New Hampshire, like some no bid contracts that allegedly he had been granted or his business or associates were given. It was all over the news. Yep. And nobody wants to talk about it. And it's like, oh, oh, you're a sexist because you don't like Jean Shaheen because of the fact that she's a woman. No, I don't like her because she's corrupt. Being a woman had nothing to do with it. I would have thought that a woman would have known better. Oh, that's a sexist remark, too. Oops, oh, I did it again. Um, <laughs> no, but, he, I mean, the people who are on the board of selectmen here in my town, 
I can't call them my board of selectmen or my, I cannot call one of the, 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 the women my select woman. I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time taking ownership of anybody who's not my wife, my friend, my dog. Because the thing is that it's like, if my, if, if my dog runs into my neighbor's yard and takes a poop on their yard, my, I have to clean up after my dog's mess. If my senator makes a mess, like dropping a bomb on, an, on a village somewhere in the Middle East, well, that, that's my senator or that's my president. Do I, have to, do, do, I, do I have to take responsibility for that? And maybe I'm splitting hairs here. Maybe I'm obsessed with the verbiage of it all. The idea that, quote, my president does something horrible, like somehow it's like, am I, am I going to be held responsible for the court of public opinion? Well, no, fuck court of public opinion. There are sitting people in Congress who want to make you accountable for who you voted for last term, but which I think is, first of all, fascist. Second of all, a little laughable because aren't we supposed to have anonymous ballots our names are not on them how would you know who i voted for right well if you go into the polling place right but if you're if the poll you get i'm forgetting now the poll the the ballot that i got in the mail that i filled out and turned in i forget if my name was on the ballot or just on the envelope yeah you know but i thought our i thought our voting was anonymous and they want to hold these trump voters accountable it was they actually had a website and everything. It's been taken down since then because someone had the common sense to go, wow, you sound like a fucking Nazi. So, yeah, but I don't know. It's it to some extent we are responsible for her. We put in office. Right. But at the same time, that should be a personal responsibility. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, personal integrity seems to be a thing of the past increasingly. Yeah. You know, it's all about what I can get away with and less about what is the right thing for me to do. I'm just I'm just I'm deeply concerned about where this country is going with this deification of public officials. And I always have been. I'm just more aware of it now after what's happened in the past four years and people making excuses for the past president because he was their guy. Right. And And we have to stop doing that, too. By the way, just because they're your guy doesn't mean you can't say, yeah, he fucked up. I disagree with that. Yeah. And I and I and here's um, the 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 cultish worship of anyone. Either by um, Biden, Trump, Obama, that's very concerning. Uh, yeah. And it leads us to turning a blind eye to certain things, certain horrible things, especially when the candidate, then candidate so-and-so, is accused of something horrific. And people give him excuses by saying, but he's not as bad as the other guy. Just because the other guy is bad doesn't mean this guy is good and vice versa. The what about isms is also what's getting us into a hell of a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. And I think that the media playing interference for their guy 
is also very, very dangerous. And we spent a long time talking about it during this campaign. This brings me to another thing. Do you remember we kind of promised each other that we would talk about President Dwight D. Eisenhower's farewell address? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know when we're supposed to do that? Uh, I thought we were going to do it on the Fuck, week thought... of, on the week yeah. of guess, yeah. what, guess what today is <laughs> <laughs> kind of the end of the week of <laughs> it's, it's here, it's here. And this is the perfect dovetail for this. Now, why is this so important? Why is his farewell address so important? And why is it? that it was spoken at such a such an important time the part that i would like to read to folks i i was going to actually insert it into the podcast but the audio quality is not up to our standards right and it's because it was recorded what 60 years ago now yeah 60 years literally ago, 60 was, years was January 21st or January 17th of 1961. And as we're recording, it is the 21st of 21 of January. One of the things that he had said that made people take notice and made people say, wait a minute, what the hell did he just say? This is the paragraph that 60 years later, people are still talking about this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, and even spiritual is felt in every city, every state house, every office of federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet... We must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toll, resources, and livelihood are all involved, so does the very structure of our society. In the, in the consuls of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. We must never let the weight of this combined combination endanger our liberties or domestic process we should take nothing for granted only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that the security and liberty may pr prosper together he's warning hey, about no. the yeah go ahead He's warning about the, the military industrial complex corrupting influence. He's not saying that it is inherently evil. He's not saying it's inherently bad. He's saying to me what stands out here is an alert and knowledgeable citizenry. So it is incumbent upon us, the citizens, to ensure that while we do have a need for a strong defense, we do not let that become a corrupting influence on our government. 
That's how. That's my read right. of it. Right, because he that in that section where the hell is it? Um, it's in it's in section. Yeah, it's in it's section the, four. Section four. And the last the last uh, sentence actually of section four it is it is the task of statesmanship to mold to balance and to integrate these and other forces new and old within the principles of our democratic system ever aiming toward the supreme goals of a free society. And that's in my opinion, where we've failed. Miserable. We're not balancing. We're not, we're not balancing new and old systems and forces. We're not maintaining the supreme goal of a free society. If someone isn't allowed to say what they think without fear of reprisal, they are not free to speak. Now, are there some things that should carry consequences? Yes. However, we should be able to otherwise freely speak our mind. I should not feel like my job is in danger if I say I don't like uh, Joe Biden as president and I think Kamala Harris is worse than Joe Biden, so I hope he lives a long time. I should not feel like my job is threatened for saying that. Consequently, no one should be should feel like their job is threatened if they say I think Trump was a horrible waste of human life. Yeah, Their job should not feel threatened either, right? But that's where we're coming to. Last week, um, after the Capitol riots thing, my CEO of my the company I work for sent out a little blurb to everybody. And I got to tell you, I started fearing for my job. Yeah. What if he finds out that I'm a conservative? That was a thought that entered my head as a result of what he said. I don't believe that was his intention. However, that is the resulting emotional reaction I had to it. So much so that I kind of on the on the download told my boss yeah i'm not gonna be talking about politics anymore it was like why i'm like because i don't i think increasingly over the next four years that if i belong to the wrong sort of group think i may get myself in trouble in my job and i like my job yeah it's like and he said no that's never gonna happen i said yeah well i'm gonna give it time i'm not gonna talk about it for a while anyway you're not wrong he's like well that's just it why should I worry about my job because I disagree with what the CEO says? I am one of thousands of employees. The company, the small company I worked for got bought by a bigger company, which then got bought by a bigger company. So now I went from working in a group with 20 people was the entire company. I now work for a company that has almost literally a thousand times more than that employees. Yeah. You know? But I should feel for my I'm actually feeling my job might be in jeopardy for something that has nothing to do with it, nothing to do with my actual work because of the opinion of the CEO. Yeah. And I've known he's I know he's left leaning. I've known that for a while. He doesn't hide it. He, the language he uses, the way he phrases things, he's a lefty. I know that. I understand that. But for the first time, I felt like there was a jeopardy I might personally have for disagreeing with him. And that may have been me being overly pessimistic because of the events that had happened that day. Then I fully acknowledge that. So, you know, what, was I being overly dramatic or, or just paranoid? Possibly. But I'm still going to watch myself just in case. Are you going to get in trouble for this episode? No. No, because the only people listen to, that listen to the podcast at work are 
like three of my coworkers that are at my level. Well, I'm my boss, but my boss, he listens to it more for the comedic effect. He says he <laughs> likes to drink while listening to it. <laughs> oh, he plays the Fedora Chronicles radio show drinking game. Every time I mispronounce a word, you have to take a shot. <laughs> By the way, yeah, to our, my to, boss is really yeah. stressed right now. So. And, and to our listener in Columbus, Ohio, good luck with your liver transplant surgery. We all hope things go well for you. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that was a joke, Jay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dude. I mean, <laughs> the Fedora Chronicles drinking game. Every time you have to take a <laughs> shot. Good luck with your liver sorry, replacement. Sorry. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Um, there was another thing that he said, and I want to. Th- I think it was um, each proposal must be weighed in light of a broader consideration: the need to maintain balance in and among national programs, balance between the private and public economy, balance between cost and hoped-for advantage, balance between the clearly necessary and the comfortably desirable, balance between our essential requirements as a nation the duties imposed by the nation upon the individual, balance between action of the moment and the national welfare of the future. Good judgment seeks balance and progress. Lack of it eventually finds imbalance and frustration. Do we, do we as a nation, regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on, feel balanced or are we finding imbalance? Imbalance. Do we like feel frustrated? Believe. Right, and frustration. On both sides, on both sides. So that entire paragraph, we have failed at entirely. The balance between private and public, cost and advantage, necessary and desirable, essential and duties, action of the moment and welfare of the future. We are not balanced between them right now. Oh, absolutely not. And I know right now in everyone's head, whether you're right or left, you're thinking that's because the other party. No, no, it is not. It's because the duty of our government, specifically Congress, is to find compromise. And increasingly, no one is willing to compromise. I don't care what parenthetical letter after their name is. There are two or three people in the government that I could think of off the top of my head. Well, actually, none of them because, well, there may be one who's actually talking about compromise. The other two who would talk about compromise have since left the government. Tulsi Gabbard was one. She's no longer in the government. Yeah. She's gone. Um, Mike Lee was another one who would talk compromise. He's gone, right? So two senators, one on each side of the aisle that were talking the importance of compromise have left of their own accord. They have not sought reelection. What does that tell you? It yeah. tells you that our government is a shit show. And I'm trying to censor myself here. It's difficult. Yeah. It is. It's our our government, our Congress, people in Congress right now, unless they're a freshman congressman, have failed us because they are unable and unwilling to compromise. And true compromise. It's gotten so bad that ABC called out what's her name? Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. On her lack of compromise, her own lack of compromise. ABC called out Nancy Pelosi. They're left-leaning. They're excited for the Biden presidency. But they're at least – they tried to hold Nancy's feet to the fire and be like, well, 
you don't exactly have a record of compromise. And she's like, at first she was like, she kind of laughed. She's like, what are you talking about? I've done this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, yeah, you've upheld legislation because by doing that, you haven't compromised and been willing to give. And then there was, uh, Ben Shapiro had another, uh, another person's video that they had done where they actually went through the streets of New York and were at, or was it New York or Washington, D.C., one of the two. Yeah. And they're asking people, okay, so you, we're all about unity and compromise. What are you willing to compromise on? Are you willing to compromise on, on environmentalism? Well, well, no, that's important because of blah, 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 blah. All right, well, how about, how about gun rights? Well, no, because blah, 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 blah. Okay, so what about abortion? Well, no, because da, 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 da. All right, what about welfare programs? What about the um, immigration? What about, and he listed with, with each person, he went through a good dozen topics. And every single one they said no. He said, so you're really not interested in compromising. You just want them to, we just want them to agree with us, right? Yeah. And that's the truth. They just want the other, There, a lot of people in and out of Congress. This is not a Congress problem. This is a people problem. And Congress is peopled with people. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope so. Right? So our human nature right now is so divided that we don't really want compromise. We want unity. And the unity we're seeking is to have the other people agree with us. But that's why we don't all run for Congress. People in Congress should be above that. They should be able to understand and willing to compromise. And here, Eisenhower was even talking about it here, 60 fucking years ago. Yeah, just a, just a couple of days after the anniversary. Yeah. And yesterday, I took the time to listen to a couple of other Inauguration Day speeches by the newly sworn in presidents, especially... Jack Kennedy. And I sat there listening to what Jack Kennedy had to say. And, you know, talking about preserving liberty and working together, putting aside partisanship, doing things as a nation and as a people, and reaching across to our enemies and encouraging our enemies to focus more on what we have in common and less on what divides us. And the idea of what could happen if we all worked together on a united front to accomplish terrific things. And he had yet to talk about landing a man on the moon. That was, that was a speech for later in his presidency. Mm -hmm. about two years ago after the anniversary of his death I went to the John Kennedy library outside of Boston and I and I walked around and there were um, there were like just just like amusing little knickknacks and things and they have all these dioramas and what what did life look like Back in, back in 1961. 
there's there's a there's a there's literally like a, a kitchen of the of that was built in the 1960s or it's exactly the way the average kitchen looked in that era with authentic furniture cabinets appliances the whole accoutrement and you would just go to these rooms and and watch speeches of Jack Kennedy and it, and it, and it gave me like just the warm fuzzies this was an incredible person and then going and seeing the replica of the oval office as it was when he was in office and i think that's the exact furniture I think that it probably with, is excluding the Roosevelt desk. Right. Which I, I'm sure if they have the, the, the resolute desk, it's a, it's a, it's a replica. Yeah. And it was just like, that's where Jack Kennedy sat. That's, that's where Frank, uh, um, that's, that's where, um, McNamara sat and that's where LBJ sat and that's where and it was like there's a picture of everybody sitting together and it's like that's that's the couch that's the rocking chair that Jack Kennedy used to sit sit on um dur during meetings and just going around you just like and and you can go into one room and you can watch his inauguration address you can go to the other room and you can watch the the speech that he gave talking about um uh we we do these things not because they're easy but because they are hard that right. speech talking about landing a man on the moon and it was just, and it was just like wow he was just a really great guy and then you go to a, a part of of the museum where there's um, it has this unfinished look to it. It feels as if it's this, it's this big, huge, like amphitheaters where they have host events and whatnot. And there's like, um, one of his quotes engraved in a, a pillar, a marble pillar. And I just read it and I started to weep uncontrollably thinking about how his life was taken so abruptly for reasons known and unknown and I'm trying to imagine what the world would be like if Jack Kennedy had been able to serve out the rest of his presidency and if he was elected for a second term well that's one of the interesting things to me about looking at our history, our history as a nation, as a people, you can sometimes see those moments, those crossroads, if you will, that we all come across in our own personal lives, but we come across them as a society as well. Oftentimes we don't recognize them in the moment. Sometimes like nine 11, right. We do. So, what happened on September 11th, everyone knew deep in their souls that this was a turning point. This was something momentous. And you could feel it all around the world in the way people, were, other people from other nations were reacting. You wonder in those moments and at, during those times, what if we do the wrong thing? 
And how long is it going to be before we even realize we've done the wrong thing? And I don't think, you know, like our children, there hasn't been any of those real moments yet in their lives. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But you do kind of wonder, you know, like, what if Jack Kennedy had not been assassinated? Hell, what if Bobby hadn't been assassinated, right? I mean, what if Jack had been assassinated and Bobby wasn't? Because by all accounts, Bobby was more charismatic and smarter than Jack. Yeah. You know? What if Reagan's assassination attempt had been successful? I mean, can you imagine, regardless of how you feel about the president, you get that report coming over the Internet. The president has been shot. Yeah. Even if you hate the guy, right, or woman, if it's in the future, even if you hate them, there is that moment where your heart just goes. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. This is the United States. Our president does not get assassinated. Ronald Reagan was the last time there was an attempt on the president's life that got close enough to succeeding that we know about it, right? Because that's the other thing. The Secret Service keeps attempts on the president's life on the down low. They hide that shit as much as possible. So there are very likely to have been attempts on every single president's life that obviously did not succeed. It's also likely there haven't been any. Either way, the Secret Service, part of the reason why they're called secret is they don't let people know. But what if it happened? Would we be able to respond with the, the sympathy and the, the unity that we responded to 9-11? I don't know. I don't think we would. We are so divided right now that there are people whose first reactions are not going to be positive. Their first reactions will be triumphant. Good. If you are on the left side of the aisle, think about what how you would have felt genuinely if you had heard Trump had been killed, say, a month ago, two months ago, or even three years ago. Would you have been sad? Would you have felt that the world has somehow is somehow a worse place because someone succeeded in killing the president? Or would you be grateful and happy that we finally found a way to get that asshole out of office? That terrifies Those of you on the right, imagine if you were to hear it tomorrow that Joe Biden has been killed. That terrifies me. Right? That's, That's terrifying. It is. And it should be. We should not wish for these things. And yet... There were people online who were saying, who were literally saying we'd be better off if he got killed talking about Trump. Yeah. And not to leave the right out of it, there are people who are saying that, you know, Biden is probably not going to survive his first year of office. And they're not saying it like you and I are in regards to, well, his health is not all that great. They're saying it more with an eye towards who's going to do it. Yeah. I was terrified yesterday watching Biden being sworn in and his speech afterwards. 
I, I was scared to death that somebody would take a shot at him. Yeah. And what, I mean, I mean, what would happen if minutes after he's sworn in, somebody, somebody capped him and I'm trying to use a, a euphemism so we don't get flagged. What the right. hell would that, what would that do to this country? For Christ's sake, that's terrifying. I'm not a fan of this guy, but if he was assassinated by some kook, that would just, you think things are bad now? Right. And that's it's horrifying. That's and it, it is horrifying to think of. And there are some fellow conspiracy theorists that scare the hell out of me with some of their with their crazy thoughts. I mean, I'm not talking about the people who are genuinely like stupid and deranged and insist that we never landed on the moon. I'm not or the earth is flat. Those people are scary enough as it is. Right. But I remember somebody talking about how the only way that Obama's policies could be pushed in quickly and rapidly is if he like he was like martyred. And maybe it would be a good thing that he would be martyred. That's horrific. Right. Because, again, think of what would happen to the country. Would it be like September 11th when we all unified, however briefly, however long we unified? Or would it be something, would it be something that causes more division? And I have to be honest. I think it'll be more divisive than unifying. Regardless no of who doubt. the president is, if the president were to be assassinated in today's culture, today's political climate, it would not be seen as a unifying event when viewed through the eyes of history. Yeah. Just wouldn't. I also have the quote here from this pillar, and it was, it's not, it's, it's not engraved. Like, I guess maybe it is. It's hard to tell with this picture whether or not it was carved in or whether or not it was it's, it's raised font. Jack Kennedy had said in his inaugural address, all of these, all this will not be finished in the first 100 days, nor will it be finished in the first 1,000 days, nor in the life of this administration, nor perhaps in our lifetimes on this planet, but let us begin. And I sobbed. And I'm getting a little choked up right now well, re reading that especially quote. Especially that term, first thousand days. He was he was president for a thousand days. And another quote that still gets me is, let us not despair but act. Let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, but the right answer. Let us not seek to fix the blame for the past. Let us accept our own responsibilities for the future. Now, did I didn't, again, I didn't see or hear Joe Biden's speech. Did he speak like that? Was yeah, well, he did to an extent. Calls for I, and I don't, for him. I don't want to make a joke about Joe Biden plagiarizing Jack Kennedy's speech after the trouble he got into during the 1988 primary. But it was very reminiscent of that. And he's not my guy. He's 
he's, quote, not my president, unquote, for reasons I have already stated in this episode. But you got to give the guy a chance. Give him a hundred days to see what he does. Right. And and then and then speak out, then be critical. If he does something monstrous and disastrous, we'll, we'll rag on him. Obviously, that's what we do. Yes. But I don't think we should be talking about impeaching Biden the day after he was sworn into office. Yeah, let's leave that for other people to discuss. Let us yeah. let us be hopefully more prescient than that. I want to end the show just by rereading what I had just read. And I and I and I say this by wishing the new administration all the luck in the world. And I hope they prove me wrong. Jack Kennedy had said let us not despair, but act. Let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, but the right answer. Let us not seek to fix the blame for the past. Let us accept our responsibility, our responsibility for the future. Terrific show, Jack. Jack Kennedy was an incredible, incredible person. And I think our listener... Liam said it best. We didn't know what we had and how good we had it until it was gone in Jack Kennedy. And leave it at that. Sounds good. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions and if it's any good we promise we'll read your comment on the air support the show by contributing to our patreon page patreon.com slash fedora chronicles for a mere dollar a month you get early access to the podcast updates on what we're doing and for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by All of Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner-King-Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.